Hey, you're listening to Soundside. I'm Libby Denkman. After 14 seasons with the Seattle Seahawks, Pete Carroll is out as head coach. Following my season-ending meetings uh, with ownership um, in the planning sessions, it's clear that, uh, and for a variety of reasons, um, we, we have mutually agreed uh, to set a new course and uh, for the club um, to, to take on new leadership. In an emotional press conference, he thanked members of the Seahawks organization and his wife for her support over the years. I've been blessed with like the rarest of best friends and uh, mentor, um, loving partner, the angel in my life. <laughs> this is worth crying for. <laughs> And Carol lauded the players, who he said are the backbone of the league. To the players that, that have been part of this thing, you don't probably know this, how, how deeply I feel about The NFL is about the players. And without those guys doing what they do, there's nothing. It isn't about the ownership. It's not about the coaching. It's not about the color of the uniforms or the, going to the stadium. It's about those guys doing what they do and putting their, their body on the line so regularly. And it's not just a, a statement. It's, it's real. And we should always, I, in my opinion, understand that we should celebrate those guys because they are the NFL. The Seahawks organization's announcement said Carroll will be moving into an advisor role with the team, though it's unclear what exactly that means. Safe to say it will not be the level of total control he's held in the past. When I spoke to SeattleSports.com's Stacey Rost earlier today, she said that was an unusual element of Carroll's tenure in Seattle. I think that maybe what the average NFL fan doesn't understand is how much power Pete had within the Seahawks organization and how uncommon that power is for the average head coach. This is not uh, a head coach that's been hired as part of some coaching carousel, right, where there's a new guy every three years because you keep losing. This is the winningest Seahawks coach ever, the only Seahawks coach to have his team win a Super Bowl. Not only that, but he hired his own GM. I mean, when Pete Carroll was brought here, he was walking hand in hand, side by side with the guy making personnel decisions. And Pete was making those decisions right alongside him. So when people say this was Pete Carroll's team, they mean that literally. These are guys that Pete Carroll had a say in drafting. I mean, I would say maybe Bill Belichick, who's now coincidentally out in New England, yeah. had as much power. Yeah, John Schneider, the GM. We're going to talk about him more in just a second. Um, you tweeted that you teared up during Pete's press conference. Why the emotion? What was behind that? I mean, in part, I'm like a, a sympathetic crier. You see someone cry and you cry. <laughs> yeah. I can't help it. <laughs> but I think that, you know, Pete is the first head coach I've covered. The first job where I was there as a reporter covering anyone was uh, began in 2014 and then carried into 2015. It was with the Seahawks team. And I remember just thinking that Pete Carroll was one of the most unique people I'd seen, that he was always so happy, that he was always so nice. And I was still very nervous. I didn't ask any questions in a single press conference for like my first two years. I was too afraid that it would be a dumb question. Um, and then the more that I get into sports, the more you look around at other press conferences, and I realize that that's not always normal, that like coaches and players and God, you guys see this all the time, politicians, speakers, <laughs> representatives yeah. don't have to be nice. And that's not something that anyone needs to do. But I think Pete felt that he had to do that. And I remember um, one instance that sticks out to me. It was after a really bad loss. And we were all, you know, in the basement at, at then CenturyLink, now Lumen Field, where the Seahawks play. And Pete Carroll was getting frustrated with the questioning. So he left. He walked out of the press conference. 
And in sports, that's not weird. It might make headlines, but it's not weird. And then he came back and apologized and, huh. and said he would continue questions. And this is after like a face plant by the team. Those aren't easy questions to answer. Um, I remember interviewing him for the first time in person earlier this year. It was my first time with a sit-down interview with him. And he knew that I, I think he knew I was nervous because the co-host that I was with had interviewed him many times and probably communicated that. So he came in and he gave me a little fist bump and was like so friendly. I mean, just little things like that. I think when you see someone, the more human you see someone, the more vulnerable you realize they are in that moment. And I felt that Pete in that moment was truly vulnerable. You know, part of following sports can be about speculating about executives' decisions off the field. You know, the drama in the boardrooms or on Zoom calls. And this news did have a bit of that soap opera element. I mean, the mm-hmm. initial announcement from Jody Allen and the Seahawks made it sound like this was a mutual split. But when Coach Pete was doing the press conference yesterday, he pretty much threw that out the window. He talked about how hard he had competed for the job. He said he was fired, not tired. Carol's contract went through 2024. What happened here, Stacy? What really happened? Right. And Libby, consider that even before Jody Allen released a statement saying it was mutual, Pete Carroll appeared on our airwaves and, and said uh, to the question, do you want to keep going? Absolutely. <laughs> he huh. says that change in the offseason is normal. So all of us behind the scenes, just kind of like a peek behind the curtain, all of us behind the scenes at Seattle Sports were anticipating that potentially offensive coordinator Shane Waldron would be fired. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if our editors had pre-drafted, as you guys know this happens in news, had pre-drafted an article about a coordinator being fired and then moving on. I think we all thought eventually Pete's time is going to come to an end. This team has lost its identity, and those are things that we can get into later. But I did not, nor did I think anyone I know very closely connected with the team, think it would be now. Um, And so I think you're right. It became obvious that Pete was campaigning for his team, meaning his his coordinators and his coaches, uh, and he was campaigning for himself. And it's very clear that Chair Jody Allen, who, by what I've heard, is a little tougher than former and the late owner Paul Allen, um, had had enough of losing potentially or felt that she really wanted the team to go in another direction. Whatever it was, um, that road was over and it was Jody's final say. Yeah. What is that perspective? So, you know, from the perspective of somebody who says, great, this is time to turn the page. It's time for Pete to move on. What have they been seeing on the field that makes them think that? Like, what what's going wrong that a new coach could fix? So they're not just seeing the final record, which is not making the playoffs in two of the last three years. They're also seeing what's happening with the things Pete Carroll is supposed to do well. So I recently talked with a, another sports radio station, and they were national. So they're looking at it from the outside in, and they're going, God, you guys – just traded Russell Wilson. I mean, you don't have a franchise quarterback. It feels like Pete's doing more with less. And when you think about it from just the offense and just Geno Smith, you're right. Geno Smith was a comeback player of the year last year, and they made the playoffs when people thought they'd be a four-win team. You're absolutely right in that he was doing more with less when it came to replacing Russell Wilson. With everything else, though, Pete was really struggling. And so if you're a local sports fan, if you're someone that's been paying attention to this team, that's what you were seeing. You were seeing a head coach that wanted his identity of his team to be that they could run the ball. They were 28th in rushing yards per game, Mm. and that hadn't been good recently. You were seeing a head coach who wanted to be an elite defense and who had won a Super Bowl and gone to another with an elite defense. And they were 31st against the run. 
after spending an entire off season trying to improve from 30th. <laughs> yeah. They took a step back in the ranking. Um, so these problems in terms of statistically what was going on with the team were just that they were falling far behind uh, the most competitive teams in their conference and also in the league. The other thing, Libby, that you have to consider is those things that fans don't see on the stat sheet. Is a message getting through to players? Um, is it resonating with players? Do players believe? Do you have a locker room? Now, that can fall apart when you start to lose. Um, it can also fall apart if a message gets stale. I don't know what happened behind the scenes with Pete Carroll. I don't know how the message was lost. But it sure seems like to people on the outside looking in, like all of us in Seattle, that the message had been lost. And I don't know how Pete was going to get it back. What about the next chapter for the Seahawks? I mean, the Seattle Times has reported that the Hawks might look at Dan Quinn in Dallas. Do you know who else might be on the short list to replace Pete? So we haven't heard reports outside of Dan Quinn, and that's from several NFL media outlets, right? Um, so I take that as like, these people, Mike Garofolo, who's well-connected to the Seahawks, Tom Pelissero, all these guys, that Dan Quinn must be a leading candidate for the Seattle Seahawks if they're hearing about it. Everyone else has been pure speculation by analysts who just think about what might fit. So you're hearing names like Lincoln Riley, coach at USC, uh, and that would be someone call, coming from the collegiate ranks. Uh, you're hearing Mike Rabel, who's a defensive-minded guy like Pete, who was recently fired in Tennessee in a really controversial decision uh, that a lot of people disagreed with. He had quite literally done more with less with the Titans, and so he's another candidate. Um, obviously, there are newer names. Bill Belichick is out in New England. I do not think that's happening. <laughs> um, <laughs> that would be quite a development. Yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> I, I think that people naturally look at names. Oh, Nick Saban retired from Alabama. Yeah. I don't think that's happening either. Um, the report that we heard um, most recently that I think could offer some insight here as to who they might go after outside of Dan Quinn is that uh, Ian Rappaport of NFL Network reported that John Schneider, general manager for the Seahawks, had been exploring and kind of scouting and coming up with a list of names over the second half of the season. When I hear that, I think coordinators. I think people who and head coaches who weren't available at the time. I'm thinking doing digging and looking at guys who are one step behind the head coach. Maybe that means a younger guy. Maybe it means a guy who's an offensive mind instead of a defensive mind. I don't know any of those names he might be looking at, but saying that someone's doing a lot of research over the course of weeks, to me, implies that he's digging deeper into coaching staffs beyond just the head coach. Yeah, you're not just looking at marquee names then. Exactly. How have players reacted, Stacy? What does this mean for them? I mean, Pete was known as this guy who kind of let players be themselves. He didn't lead with an iron fist like a lot of NFL coaches do. Mm -hmm. He's known as somebody who kind of supported the individuality of his players. How have the Seahawks reacted to the news that he's leaving? He's not going to be the head coach anymore. There were a lot of players in attendance at his press conference. It was a supportive but somber uh, environment as well. Um, Bobby Wagner was there. Geno Smith was in the front row. Um, you've had former players that have tweeted out just their thanks and support. 
Um, Russell Wilson among them tweeting out one of the best. The best is yet to come in a, in a thanks to Pete Carroll. Doug Baldwin saying he's a Hall of Fame person and coach. Richard Sherman tweeting about him. Um, we're going to talk with Robert Turbin, who also played under Pete Carroll during that Super Bowl run. He's going to be on with us on Friday, and I already know, because he's talked about it before, that he's going to share just everything he appreciates about Pete. The only thing that I've been wondering, because we're not seeing current players tweet a lot about it. I mean, why would they, right? It's, you, you're trying to keep quiet. You want to support your head coach. They're in a trickier spot than our former players. Like, they can't Yeah, tweet. I mean, they're still part of the organization, you know? right? Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah, imagine your, your boss gets fired. You're not going to tweet out, wow, my company made a mistake. And then right. your next boss comes in. So, so they're a little more mum. The only thing I'm, that, that I'm kind of thinking about is whether there is a bit of a generational divide. I think that the Pete Carroll that we all saw, the player, some of the players that were on, that are on this team now were like 11, 12. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I think that this hits hard for older players. I think for the Bobby Wagners, for the Genos who are on this team, for the Richard Shermans and the Dugs who aren't, this is shocking and this is a big weight and this is really sad. And, um, you know, there are fans who might think, well, it's time, you know, they're losing. They haven't been to a title game or to a Super Bowl since their last visit. And they're right. But I think that a lot of these players were there for the very best of Pete Carroll. And Pete Carroll was a leader to them and a mentor. And, and that is a different relationship, I think, than the one he has with some of those younger players right now. Boy, it's going to be weird to watch the Seahawks next year and not see him chomping on that gum on the sidelines, not hear him talking about competing and what it means to compete. <laughs> Any final thoughts, Stacey Rost, on you know what it means that Pete Carroll's leaving and, and his, the legacy he's going to leave? Yeah, you know, I would only say um, as a final thought that, that a part of me is a little nervous. I'm a natural pessimist, and, you know, I think that um, – I'd, I'd caution that, like, uh, you don't want to get into a grass is always greener situation. I mean, you look at uh, the New York Giants or at the Texans, who I actually think the latter team has found an amazing head coach now. But for the longest time, there was a coaching carousel because it is so hard to take over and to find the right fit. And sometimes you get into these spots where you get a coach, he brings in a ton of guys, it lasts two years because he can't win, and then you bring in another staff, and that has a real impact on the players. If you're a quarterback playing under three different offensive coordinators over this, you know, the course of your career, it's really hampering your own development. And so you can really get into a bad place and a bad cycle as a team if you don't find the right person. And so that's kind of what I'm most interested in uh, when it comes to the Seahawks. The task ahead for Jody Allen, the task ahead for John Schneider, isn't just, hey, to find the guy that can help them now, but to avoid falling into a pitfall that has kept some teams from the Super Bowl for decades. Hmm. Stacy Rost is one half of the Bump and Stacy show on seattlesports.com. Stacy, thanks so much. You're a joy to talk to and I think shared a lot of, you know, the emotion and also the analysis of the situation. I, I really appreciate it. Thanks, Libby. Thanks for listening to Soundside. And hey, this show is only possible because listeners support us. If you are able to give right now, check out the show notes for a link to donate. And don't forget, you can listen live on KUOW 94.9 FM Seattle at noon and 8 p.m. Monday through Thursday or anytime online at KUOW.org.